Hi, this is Podcast Q with Matt Henney, and that is me. I'm here today with Keisha Waits. Hi, Keisha. Hi, Matt. Happy to be with you. And we are here to talk about the 5th District uh, U.S. House race. Keisha, you're one of seven candidates for that race, and that is a race to finish the term of John Lewis, who passed away in July. Uh, it'll finish his uh, the remaining few weeks of his term. In-person voting is September 29th, and uh, uh, early voting has already started. I wanted to ask you, first off, what prompted you to jump into this race? It's no stranger, Matt, that I have a desire to serve in the United States Congress. Uh, I left the Georgia General Assembly to run for higher office because I felt that a lot of the work uh, that I desired to do really was at the next level. which is one of the reasons that I even looked at the Fulton County chairman's race uh, in which I was successful in getting into a runoff uh, with Rob Pitts, who is the current chair of Fulton County, who had served for about four decades. Nonetheless, uh, the loss of Congressman Lewis certainly was a major factor. Uh, He was a fierce advocate for the LGBT community, in addition to marginalized communities. Uh, He was a champion regarding immigration reform. Uh, I can recall just two years ago, well, I don't even know if it was two years ago that he was at the Atlanta Pride Parade uh, when he crossed the Rainbow Crossing where they played the happy song. And so this is someone that we've had the opportunity to work side by side. I don't know if you remember that, but it was just such a perfect day. And to see him, you know, in this convertible in his pink shirt was really uh, special to me. But nonetheless, we've lost a giant uh, in D.C. Uh, and an advocate for our community. And I just feel uniquely qualified uh, to serve in the stead. I have been a huge voice uh, during my tenure in the Georgia General Assembly on uh, LGBTQ issues, and I look forward to discussing that further in the conversation. So just to make sure people understand, so this this race is for the the uh, remainder of his term, and that actually ends July or excuse me January third. So with the election on the 29th, possible runoff on December first, there's only going to be a few weeks left for uh, whoever the winner is to uh, to be the congressperson from the fifth district. So w- even with that short term, uh, those few weeks, you you still think it's possible to make an impact? Well, a couple things certainly. Uh, the, the desire would be to be successful on September 29th. Uh, Congress is currently in session voting on pieces of legislation that directly impact our community and our state. Uh, they're negotiating pieces of the CARES Act, the COVID relief fund. Uh, so this is something that directly impacts our small business community, as well as uh, our families, working families specific uh, to relief and stimulus uh, opportunities. And so I would love to have the opportunity one to weigh in on that conversation. But also last evening, we lost another titan, uh, a magnanimous voice uh, for equity and equality in the Supreme Court Justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so here again, uh, there is a a loss there. Uh, It is my understanding uh, that the current administration will try to push through uh, a nominee, uh, which I think is a travesty when you look at what happened at the end of uh, President Obama's term. And so I certainly look forward to uh, uh, highlighting uh, her work and certainly what she meant to the LGBT community, but also uh, the loss of her in in, in, in terms of 
justice and in terms of social justice. And among the seven candidates, there are two uh, that are LGBTQ. And I believe uh, you're the only one that has experience as a state lawmaker. So you think that is is helpful to the, to the campaign? Well, okay. So I, I've had the wonderful opportunity to spend some time with Chase Oliver. He's lovely. Uh, he is a libertarian. And, and there are some things that he actually, uh, some ideas that in these conversations and forums that I actually like and support. But I do, Matt, believe that given the short period of time involved, that it is imperative that this person have some type of legislative and policy experience. Uh, I've served over a decade with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, where I was a congressional affairs manager and worked directly with members of Congress. I've served in 38 states on 27 presidential disasters. And so I have those existing relationships at both the state and federal levels. Uh, I had the privilege of serving a few terms in the Georgia House of Representatives, uh, where we worked on some powerful committees that I think will be important to the conversation surrounding COVID relief. I think you touched on this when we started, but you would be the successor to John Lewis, a civil rights icon and an outspoken supporter of LGBTQ equality. How does his legacy impact how you would represent the 5th District? That one that one kind of makes the hair stand up on my arms when I think about it. Okay, so a couple of things. One, none of us are ever going to fill the congressman's shoes, Matt, and you, I think you know that. But I think he also embodied something very different uh, from working with so many members of Congress. He embodied something very different. Um, he didn't have that ivory tower complex that I often see. Uh, he was extremely accessible. I can remember every single year, and you spent a lot of time at the Capitol as I, when he would come down to the Capitol Every person, Republican and Democrat, would line up to get a photo. And guess what? He never left until every single person got a photo. Uh, so, you know, given how partisan it is down there, I think that speaks volume to how others felt about him. But essentially, I'm running for the seat because I do believe in his spirit of, of servanthood and equity and equality. And uh, like the congressman, during my tenure, I was a fierce advocate uh, for LGBTQ rights and outspoken. Uh, we've had some major bills that have come through there uh, that would have been uh, very devastating and damaging, such as uh, House Bill 757, Religious uh, Freedom. And so we were able to organize a press conference uh, with other members, Carla Jenner, Park Cannon, uh, Representative Sam Park. And uh, ultimately, the governor made the decision to veto this terrible piece of legislation. Matthew, I am a woman of faith. And so I'm guided by a specific set of principles that govern every single thing that I do. Uh, my core values are centered around family. Uh, I believe that every person has a right to justice and equality. Uh, democratic values undergird my vision. Uh, of a world that engenders uh, hard work and, and fighting for what's ultimately right. And I think this should happen, Matthew, regardless of your race, regardless of your religion, regardless of your gender and your sexual orientation. And that is ultimately how uh, Congressman Lewis has shaped my view of public service. And uh, it is my hope that the voters will agree with that I am uniquely qualified and give me this opportunity uh, to be a voice in Washington, uh, an unwavering voice uh, to the residents of the 5th District, and to work ultimately in this short interim to make a measurable difference and to bring about some effective change. 
Well, in addition to your legislative experience, you also come to this race with experience campaigning for Congress. In June, you ran in the District 13 and uh, just narrowly avoided forcing the incumbent David Scott into a into a runoff. So, um, are there lessons from that campaign that that are helping you get on the ground uh, more quickly in in, uh, in this campaign since it's such a short, compressed time period? Well, a couple things. So, uh, one, we we've been out there campaigning, I guess, since March of. Um 2020 this year, but but I want to I want to talk about that race. Uh, I've said started the conversation by indicating that I it's no secret that I have a desire to serve in Congress. Uh, I live in District Five uh, and felt that there was a huge void uh, in District 13 uh, where I had represented five of those cities uh, in the Georgia General Assembly in my state house seat. Uh, they were East Point, Hateville, College Park, Forest Park, in uh, portions of the city of Atlanta, in Forest Park. Forgive me. When people say that, you know, you 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 nearly made a runoff, it's, it's a bittersweet conversation for me, Matthew, and I'll tell you why. I filed a lawsuit three days after the election because Fulton County made the decision to not count 48,000 ballots in that race. And it is my belief that given that we were shy of 1,700 votes in terms of making a runoff, I think you and I would agree that out of 48,000, thousand ballots that were kicked out because folks did not bubble in the oval, because folks did not sign the absentee ballot, uh, is a form of voter suppression. And so when people say, well, you know, you you almost made a runoff, I I I I, I disagree with that assessment. I think we certainly were in a runoff. And I think that there was a an effort, an extraordinary effort made uh, to save David. And I think that that is a disservice to uh, not only the 13th Congressional District, but also the voters of Georgia. I think given the, the urgency of COVID-19, we must have voices that are uh, visible uh, and that are active. And uh, I think that given the uh, the numbers in that particular race, I think it's reflective uh, that the district certainly was not happy uh, with the representation they received. Uh, the question has come up in several forums. Well, Keisha, you live in five, your home is in five, you own a business in five. Why didn't you just run for the fifth congressional district? Well, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why I didn't run for that. Uh, out of respect for Congressman Lewis and his legacy. Uh, I think that the work that he does in Washington speaks volume. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that he sponsored 28 pieces of legislation in 2019. He really didn't serve in any leadership uh, committee, leadership role in any committee, but he had his name on more pieces of legislation than any member of the, the House, Democrat or Republican. And so he was extremely effective uh, when he spoke, uh, when there were issues to be called upon. He had the respect of uh, uh, members across the aisle, Republican and Democrat. And uh, so for that reason, uh, I did not challenge Congressman Lewis. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm again, very pleased that I did not. And uh, I think that uh, the voters of the 5th District uh, had made their choice. And uh, he was the person that we wanted to advocate on our behalf. And so this is a very unique opportunity. I mean, Matthew, in my lifetime, you know, uh, I think the congressman came in in 1982. So I would have been 10 years of age. So I have never had the chance to really vote for anyone else other than Congressman Lewis. And I'm willing to bet you that in a 30-year period of time, a lot of people are in the same situation that I am in. I'm 47 years of age. And so he's the only congressman I've ever known in the 5th District. So certainly this is an extraordinary privilege. Uh, I don't take it lightly. 
you know, when people say, well, Keisha, well, you're opportunities, you are, you know, what is this about? Is this about you or the district? Well, Matthew, my, my legislative track record speaks for itself. And uh, as we continue the conversation, I'd love to talk to you more about some legislation and policy uh, that I sponsored during my tenure. And the last thing I will leave you with is this, judge me based upon what I've already done, right? What What is it that I've done prior to making this move to run for Congress? And I feel uniquely prepared uh, to do so. Well, and, and we'll, let's talk a little bit about the House. You were there uh, for five years and at the time, just one of just a handful of LGBTQ lawmakers. And yet you were making an impact on LGBT issues and, and other issues as a state lawmaker. And uh, we're recording this today, which is nearly three years, almost three years to the day that you resigned that seat to run for, for Fulton County Commission Chair. Do you miss the, the state house and, and the impact that you were having on issues there? That's a great question. I'm often asked that and I'll answer it twofold. I miss the opportunity to weigh in on policy and shape influence policy that I miss. Uh, But Matthew, you and I both know that it was very much a partisan environment uh, in terms of when you look at the number of pieces of legislation that I sponsored, one of them was uh, a ban on conversion therapy. Uh, House Bill 716 was something that was very important to me uh, growing up in a very religious household. I sponsored House Bill 53, which uh, regarding AIDS, HIV, uh, that that bill later passed was rolled into it. Essentially, what it says is, is as when you're getting uh, routine blood panel screenings that you'll be tested for HIV because the numbers in Fulton County were so high. So that bill was rolled into another piece of legislation surrounding pregnancy. Uh, I sponsored House Bill 492, hate crimes legislation. And uh, I think when you look at the unrest that we've had around our nation and in Georgia, I think it speaks volume uh, that we were able to to do that at a time when those, those pieces of policy were not really popular. And so my point in telling you this is that, you know, I don't miss being in an environment where you have to fight to get a hearing on things that are just common sense. There is no reason why uh, we should be exposing minors and children to conversion therapy. I mean, the, the scientists have all said it doesn't work. Uh, they've all said that, 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 that being LGBTQ is not uh, any type of illness. Uh, I sponsored House Bill 40, uh, which uh, put a component in there for LGBT inclusions for regarding bullying. Uh, in most conversations, most people don't want to talk about that component when it involves our children. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat in hearings where people have talked about their children committing suicide. Matthew, we're losing young people, adults all over the country in the name of religion, which is completely crazy. Um, and finally, you may remember when the, the Pulse nightclub shooting happened. Uh, we organized a joint press club uh, press conference uh, at the Capitol surrounding that, as well as North Carolina House Bill 2, the bathroom bill. So we have had a number of direct assaults on the community. And, you know, these are issues that we have led on. So certainly there's no way, Matthew, that I'm going to go to Washington and be silent on the issues that matter the most. Yes, we're looking at 90 days to three weeks. But I'm going to tell you something. Our sessions are 40 days. They are when you're in the General Assembly. So certainly of the of the uh, seven people running, there are only two people uh, that understand a fast paced session that is expedited and uh, that have that state uh, uh, legislative and policy experience that's very similar to the genetic makeup of Congress. 
You mentioned HIV. That has a big impact in the 5th District. Uh, and it's also an issue, not only have you worked on in the State House, that you that has a, a personal connection with you, with your brother that you lost to HIV more than two decades ago. What sort of progress can be made uh, on that if you're elected? You know, when I think about him, I always said, first thing I would do when I got to the Capitol was do some legislation or do something in remembrance of him. So thank you. Uh, the fact that you remembered that means the world to me. Um, <clears throat> so certainly uh, that conversation, anything surrounding AZHIV is important to me. Uh, at the national level, a couple things. One, I think we can use the office uh, as a bully pulpit to talk about things that matter, right? So like getting tested. And uh, I was recently at one of the, you know, we just had uh, Black Pride a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it was, it was a little bit more scaled down given COVID. And one of the things that I talked to a couple of vendors that were outside doing free HIV testing was that I wanted to to go on my Facebook page and, and get tested live to encourage people say, hey, you know, we got to do this. Uh, we, we cannot allow fear and shame to dictate how we control our health. And so with that, a couple of things I think we can do surrounding this conversation. I don't know what other states are doing, but I know in Fulton County, uh, specific to the city of Atlanta, our numbers are similar to third world countries in terms of HIV new, new, new cases. And so we have an epidemic here in our community. So for other cities that are dealing with this, I would love to see routine blood panel screenings occur. Whereas once you go in for any physical, any annual that you're getting tested in versus us asking you, Hey, Matt, do you want to get an HIV test today? That you'll be, you, you know, you'll be made aware that, Hey, we're going to give you an HIV test today. And so I think that that will get rid of some of the fear surrounding people who may be uh, queer, gay or closeted uh, surrounding asking. And I think that there's a lot of uh, anxiety surrounding that conversation. And then the second thing I think we can do uh, is uh, there's a historical factor uh, in terms of this race. Uh, I would actually be the first African-American uh, LGBTQ person to serve in Congress. And so I would be happy to champion this conversation surrounding the need for testing, uh, as well as getting rid of some of the, the, the uh, uh, negative overtones surrounding living with AIDS and HIV. I would also become the first uh, LGBTQ person elected from the state of Georgia. And certainly that's something that uh, means the world to me. And uh, I understand the the seriousness of this role. And uh, again, as I've stated, I have never been a stranger to raising my voice on tough issues. And certainly once we get to Washington, uh, Matt, you know, I raise hell at the Capitol all the time. Uh, it's no secret. And uh, certainly with losing two titans and giants in Congressman Lewis and and Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, certainly we have have to have uh, folks at the federal level uh, who are still involved and engaged in the fight for social justice. What uh, you mentioned, we mentioned the coronavirus pandemic a little bit. How has that impacted uh, campaigning, both the logistics of doing the campaign and are you hearing from constituents in the district about the federal response or lack thereof to the pandemic? So coronavirus has actually hit my family. My sister, uh, Lisa, uh, ended up with uh, the virus. And, you know, that was a touch and go situation because, you know, uh, my mother had a lot of anxiety about that. And I ended up caring for my sister for a brief period of time. I think in about three weeks she recovered. But it was certainly a, a very uh, frightening uh, 
I don't even know how to articulate the words when someone that close to you uh, is dealing with, which really is a, a deadly virus. But but nonetheless, COVID-19 has certainly created a nightmare for all of us who are campaigning, even in the 13th congressional race. The idea that you're not able to knock on doors, the idea that you're not able to gather at forums, uh, even just down to putting literature on someone's vehicle and canvassing to say, hey, today is Saturday voting, it's early voting, we want you to get out. Uh, It's been different. Uh, Finally, uh, the absentee balloting piece which was a debacle in Fulton County and uh, was highlighted nationwide. Given those fears, most people wanted to absentee vote. Uh, however, given the enormous strain on the system because so many people made the decision to elect to absentee vote, uh, there were a number of counties here in Metro Atlanta and other areas that were not prepared for that. So COVID has certainly shaken up uh, the campaign process, but it's also introduced something very new. Uh, we've had about seven debates in the District 5 congressional race, and they have all been held via Zoom. So the fact that I can sit in the privacy and safety of my own home uh, and exchange ideas, the fact that, you know, I get to see the other uh, six candidates, uh, you know, a couple of times a week, and we, 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 we top it up and talk about what we believe is important uh, to the 5th District and what we uh, hope to bring and offer to this opportunity uh, is unprecedented. And so I think now going forward, campaigning will never be the same. Uh, my website, I probably get used to get maybe what a dozen hits a week. Now I'm probably getting a couple of hundred hits a week. And so uh, it's been exciting. Uh, but I will tell you, fundraising has been tough. Uh, most people are focused on their families. Uh, small business owners are struggling. And uh, so, you know, it's been hard to to really fundraise because of all the uncertainty uh, surrounding what's going to happen with this virus and then the, the downturn in the economy. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a blessing and a curse. Well, at the same time, coronavirus is going on. There's also the uh, racial justice movement, much of which the activism in Georgia has been centered in the 5th District. Has that impacted the campaign? Is that an issue that's been been coming up that you're hearing back from on from voters? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the 5th Congressional District is where you, you had a young man who was essentially gunned down right here in our own backyard uh, that played out at the national level. That comes on the backdrop of several other cases, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So, you know, Matthew, we are strained uh, racially in our country and in our state and also here in our city. Uh, The uh, mayor of Atlanta has had to make some very difficult, tough decisions. Uh, I was a huge fan of Chief Erica Shields. She and I have worked together on a number of issues. The former um, city of Atlanta chief of police. Uh, In fact, I found her to be very sensitive to racial issues, including social justice issues. So uh, certainly uh, as a black woman, there's no way I could escape the conversation surrounding weighing in on my thoughts. Uh, I indicated to you several years ago, we did sponsor House Bill 492, uh, which would have uh, addressed some of this in terms of of hate crimes and violence. Uh, I think the officer involved and the Rashad Brooks case has had a history uh, of some challenges. But but let, let me just say this, and I think it's important to highlight this. It's, you know, I've always been a huge 
advocate for the law enforcement community. I, I dropped House Bill 54, uh, which was in support of the law enforcement community that essentially said that if you are killed in the line of duty or are significantly injured, your children will never pay a dime to go to college in the state of Georgia. I had a personal friend of mine whose husband uh, was a city of Atlanta police officer. He was in a helicopter crash and uh, she had three small children. So that was the impetus and motivation for that. But Every single law enforcement officer, I don't believe, goes to work to kill a black man. I I don't believe that. Uh, What I do think is that we've got a few rotten apples that we've got to address and deal with. And I think that we can look at some policy at the federal level. I don't know if this will happen in 90 days or three weeks, but I do think it's time to address nationwide these stand your ground laws from the federal level and standardize how we're going to handle that. I do think we can use the seat uh, to bring light uh, to some of the things that we've done here in Georgia successfully. And uh, I think that, and that's one of the reasons that I will echo and echo that it's going to be extremely difficult to navigate the complexity of Washington when you have never authored a piece of legislation, uh, when you've never been before a committee, uh, when you really don't understand the legislative process. And you and I both know uh, from working on several pieces of legislation that it, 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 there is no rhyme or logic to it, Matthew. It isn't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you can work on a piece of legislation for three to four years. In fact, House Bill 53 passed after I left the General Assembly. People are now talking about conversion therapy. When I was there, you know, I, people were like, why are you talking about this, Keisha? It's not important. So, <laughs> so we were certainly ahead of our time. What other issues are you uh, as a campaign about? Uh, what are what are issues as a campaign focused on? Well, there are three things, and and I say this only because we're dealing with a short turnaround. So the the question is, Keisha, what can you realistically get done in 10 days? A couple things. I think we can help stump to elect uh, the next president of the United States, and I am prayerful uh, that it will be uh, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I think that when you look at where we are nationwide, uh, we have to have someone that is an advocate for people, families, and small businesses, and we have not had that. When you look at the COVID relief packages, they have been steered toward big box corporations, Ivy League colleges. We're having conversations about building new FBI buildings when people are dealing with foreclosures and evictions nationwide. And thank God for this recent moratorium. And so I think that we can help one elect a new president. Secondly, I think that uh, they're in a process right now before Congress, they're navigating uh, the new COVID relief package, stimulus plans. I think we can weigh in and talk about some of the things that we're intimately dealing with in Georgia. Uh, that when you look at our numbers, uh, so uh, our healthcare system is strained, and you and I both know that there are a number of people who are living without health care. I think this is a great opportunity to have a conversation about the expansion of Medicaid uh, expansion to ensure more Americans. You and I both know that there are people who are not getting um, the care that they need, who are not uh, going to the doctor because they're terrified of getting a bill that will essentially put them in bankruptcy. And then lastly, I think the last thing that is important is that we use our voice to address constituent service issues. Uh, There are a number of people who are still grandparents who are not having challenges getting their social security benefits. Uh, There are people, veterans who have have, have, have served uh, for us overseas and who've come home and they have not had access to any of their veterans benefits. And so I think constituent services would be a major issue. 
given uh, everything that's happening with COVID. Uh, I know a number of families that have not received the first stimulus package from the IRS. I think there was a $1,200 benefit that went out to some families, uh, depending upon your eligibility. They have not received that. And so, you know, IRS has been very slow to respond. Uh, The SBA, uh, which I served with them several years, uh, has been very strained regarding PPP loans. And so helping people to navigate that, getting information out to the voters, I think will be important. And one of the things that I'm proud of, Matthew, is we had an outstanding uh, constituent service process in which folks would call from all over the state navigating state issues. And so I'm extremely proud of that record. Well, in the 5th District, it's a majority Black district that includes parts of Fulton, DeKalb, and Clayton Counties, and is considered one of the most Democratic districts in the South. What are you hearing back from voters? What's been their reaction to your campaign? Uh, Well, you know, there's a lot of confusion uh, surrounding this race because they don't understand that this race is not on the November ballot. It's actually in in two weeks. It's on the September 29th ballot. So uh, there was an appointment that was done in this race where the Democratic Party made the decision to appoint their own chairwoman, uh, Nakima Williams, which I have a lot of thoughts about, but I won't get into that conversation today. I think it's counterproductive. But I'm going to be good. But nonetheless, uh, because I do believe that given that uh, the congressman served from 1982, the district has never had the opportunity to elect anyone. And so I think that the fact that they were robbed of that opportunity, it was essentially usurped. Uh, The congressman was very clear about his wishes and wanting a special election upon his death. And uh, it's my belief that the party uh, made a decision uh, that was antithetical to who he was in terms of equity and equality. And so I think that the voters should have had that right to make that decision. But nonetheless, the the, the appointment has been done for the two-year uh, role, which was started in January of 2021. But we are actually uh, running to fill the unexpired term, which will go through uh, January, which will end. And uh, we're talking about a very, very short Uh, period of time uh, to which you would have to serve. And so the voters are very confused. Uh, They have, you know, there was a presidential primary in March that was canceled. There was a June 9th primary, uh, which was a complete disaster which played out at the national level, uh, in which uh, there were long lines, uh, there was faulty equipment, uh, there was misinformation. Uh, there were 25 polling precincts that were moved down or closed. It was just a complete disaster. And then, of course, there was an August 11th runoff where uh, you had a number of individuals who were successful in moving on to a runoff. And so when you look at the number of elections that have been scheduled to come back, with one in September prior to the big race in November, where we're looking to elect our next president and hopefully weigh in on changing the uh, the demographics regarding the U.S. Senate is 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 pretty lofty. And for those voters who are a little bit more disengaged, who are busy or who are working to feed their families and navigating day to day life. If, if, if it's very confusing to understand this piece. And so we try to make it as simple as possible. Uh, early advanced voting started uh, last Monday. And so uh, a number of individuals did not know that that was not for the November ballot. Uh, so we're dealing with a lot of confusion. And so our goal is to push out as much accurate information as possible. We're doing a ton of social media videos uh, to just get accurate information out to voters. And also in the 5th District, LGBTQ voters are an influential block. Any message to them about the race in your campaign? 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. I am no stranger to the community. Uh, I have participated in Pride for the last 25 years. I probably attended my first Pride as a freshman in college. It is necessary that we have a voice at the table to champion concerns of our community. Our religious freedom uh, legislation, House Bill 757, is an example that there will always be forces who seek to suppress our voices and who seek to put us back in the closet. Um, I think it's also important, uh, given all the things that we've talked about today, specific to COVID, I think that COVID has changed the world that we live in. I don't think we'll ever be the same. So I think it's highlighted health disparities. I think it's highlighted some of the challenges uh, that we have faced. And uh, I believe that given my track record of service in our community, I've named a couple of pieces of legislation. But I also think it's important to talk about the transgender community. Uh, Our transgender men and women have been under attack nationwide and even here in our own backyard. And so this is something that, you know, I didn't just show up, Matthew, in 2020 saying, hey, you know, I'm an advocate. You know, this is work that I've been doing over a decade. House Bill, uh, Georgia House Bill, Senate Bill 375 sought to limit adoptions among gay couples and families. Uh, This is crazy. Uh, When we have children who want to go to a loving household, who want to go to a household where they can be provided for and and, and get everything that they need in terms of emotional support. So, you know, why would you work against something like that? Uh, And then lastly, we talked about the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, You know, I was able to rally and work with my colleagues uh, who were in the Florida General Assembly. North Carolina's House Bill 2, the bathroom bill. So we have seen a number of pieces of legislation that are in opposition to our community uh, and that seek to literally discriminate against LGBTQ families. And so it it is necessary that we have a voice in Congress, a strong voice in Congress uh, that has legislative policy experience to champion these issues when they come up. Uh, And these issues are not going to go away. I mean, right now, this year in the Georgia General Assembly, you know, we've had bills continue to come up uh, that seek to uh, uh, address this the adoption issue. Thank God the Supreme Court ruled in, and, and so marriage equality is the is the ladder of the law and in, 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 in its rule of law today. But we also had another recent victory surrounding employment discrimination. You know that uh, Carla Journal and I worked on House Bill 323 for years, which is the Fair Employment Practice Act, which would have prevented uh, discrimination in the workplace based on sexual orientation as well as gender identity. And so here in Georgia, you know, it's a fairly conservative red state. It has not been friendly uh, to LGBTQ families. And so I simply say to our community that it is necessary that we have someone that understands the challenges that we're facing. And even though my colleague, uh, Mr. Oliver, is phenomenal and, and, and I appreciate uh, his desire for public service, I do believe in this short interim, it would be necessary to have some type of legislative and or policy experience to navigate the murky waters that we're facing. Well, my last question for you, Keisha, is where can people find you and follow you and find out more about the, the campaign? Absolutely. I have a website, which is www.keishawaites.com, K-E-I-S-H-A-W-A-I-T-E-S.com. There you can learn more about our campaign, our platform, uh, join our team, support our efforts, request a yard sign, and even make a small donation today. You can text uh, the word DeKalb, if you live in DeKalb, to 22454. It will immediately send you all the early advanced voting locations. If you live in Fulton, you can text 22454 
254, it will do the same. If you live in Clayton, you can text the word Clayton to 22454 and it will send you that information. And Matt, I thank you so much for this unique opportunity to speak to our community. Uh, I don't come to you as a candidate. I come to you as a family member and a friend. Uh, for the last two decades, I've worked tirelessly uh, to remove some of the disparities and barriers that you see in our community and as well as destigmatizing some of the perceptions surrounding our community, surrounding HIV and AIDS, uh, as well as dealing with people who, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Finally, as a triple minority, I am no stranger to social alienation, familiar rejection, and the denial of services. I know what it's like to feel marginalized. I know what it's like to feel left out of the conversation. And so I hope to bring all of those skill sets to the table. I hope to bring those state and federal relationships that I have hummed over the last couple of years. And lastly, with the loss of two titans in uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, and Congressman John Lewis, certainly we must have people who are sensitive to our issues, who intimately understand the challenges that we're facing, and who will truly be a champion for our community. And I hope to be that voice. My name is Keisha Waits. Thank you, Keisha. It's always in fun to, to talk with you and uh, appreciate everyone out there listening. Subscribe to Podcast Q to keep up with new episodes and follow us at theqatl.com. See you soon with a new episode.